As MacFab grows, we continue to expand our services, offer to more groups for greater collaboration between teams. Today, we are announcing new tools for purchasing teams to make it easier for them to receive quotes and process their orders. These new tools include interactive quotes that clearly explain the cost and lead time drivers for your products, fixed price agreements and online contract management, as well as easy-to-use tools for product releases and real-time status updates to keep you informed and ready to respond to changing business needs. These tools will enable engineers and purchasing teams to collaborate better using the same platform for all electronics manufacturing from prototypes to high volumes. If you work with purchasing teams, please let them know about our expanding services. More More details are linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Charming Amplifier. And Parker Dillman. This is this episode, is episode 190. 190. <laughs> <laughs> you so, want to redo that one? <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, we'll keep that one. So um, we use this program called Squadcast. And if you don't punch in your name when you sign into it, it just auto-generates a name. And Steven's name is Charming Amplifier, which is quite fitting. I thought that was, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, enough to to introduce myself as that <laughs> so i am charming amplifier you actually should see if you can get that as a twitter handle the, you know <laughs> that's it is I better like than that, analog yeah. eng <laughs> well it's funny because yeah when we have uh when we have guests on a lot of times they forget to write their name in so it'll it'll just come up as something ridiculous like charming amplifier yeah yeah so uh, we wrapped up our design contest last week. We had 29 entries, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually so. I think we mentioned it uh, last week, but um, that's more than the last contest that we put on the Blinken LED. But above and beyond it being more, we had actually asked everyone to actually physically build their project this time around, whereas the last time we just said design it and provide your design. Um, mm-hmm. documentation so awesome thanks to everyone for building all of those entries which every single one was excellent yep and so i'd like to thank our judges who uh judged everything uh charlene gonda joe grand sophie kravitz and whitney merrill thank you so much without y'all's uh i guess donation of time uh we could not have done this yeah thank you very and, much and then thank you mauser for supplying all the prize money we could not have done it without you either. And the winner list was first place, Parker Newman with the room temperature cup holder. And um, this one, some of the judges, they had some, they, some of them wrote notes down. And um, my favorite comment about this one was nothing is more worthless than warm beer, <laughs> <laughs> which this is what this thing does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Um, second place is Dylan. With the clap activated applause machine, which for me, the video, like you have to go watch the video because it is hilarious. Which you can find at hackaday.io. Yeah. Dylan did a really good job on the video there. Um, and then third place, Sir Dan with the unpluginator, which was the device that when you powered it on, it would just unplug itself. <laughs> and that, uh, wasn't that the one that was 3D printed from like neon green PLA? Yes. I, I think so. Yeah. It, it yeah. looks fantastic. And then um, on the last episode, we picked our favorite, which was 
Jeffrey Bernath with the mouse controlled mouse controller, um, which was like a CNC machine that moved a mouse around but took its input from another mouse. It's <laughs> just <laughs> super complicated and yeah. absolutely useless. Yep. So we've already been uh, chatting about potential uh, contests in the future. So, you know, keep listening and we'll have some more for you. Yes. Hit that, hit that bell. <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been helping my dad out recently um, working on like some electronics down in Galveston. Mm-hmm. And because um, down there, like everything corrodes because it's like, you know, on the ocean. So everything rusts and corrodes away. Um, and so I've been working on a pool cleaner for my dad. And this is not designing and building a pool cleaner. This is actually fixing one that, you know, already exists. Like like one of those one of those things that you put in the pool and it literally like walks around and yeah it just rolls around and sucks everything up yeah um this is a Hayward Tiger Shark and I'd love that name Tiger Shark because it's like oh aggressive and it's seriously a lump of plastic with treads on it that just kind of like slowly moves across the floor of the pool <laughs> so it's like whoever it's like definitely a marketing person who comes up with the names of these. Because I would have called it like the Hayward Roly Poly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm looking up other ones right now, and I've, I've, I'm seeing, excuse me, uh, the Nautilus, which that's pretty cool. That's that. That's yeah. the submarine from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, uh, but I, de- I bet you it is a oh, the Barracuda. Here's another one. <laughs> Barracuda. They have great names for these. Yeah, a dolphin. I don't know. That's not as cool. A great white pool cleaner. <laughs> how do these things actually work like what do they actually do okay okay so how this one works is it's got tank treads on it that run off a motor right and so that's how it moves across the the bottom but then it also has a fan well i guess a a blower unit but it's water it's almost like an impeller i guess that basically pushes downward pressure on the machine while also sucking stuff up from underneath it. Oh, so, so, so if it's climbing a wall, it gets sucked to the wall. Yeah. It will, it will basically since the vent or the impeller shoots outwards, upwards from the machine, if it's sitting on the ground, um, it will allow it to stick to the wall kind of by suction. And so you can clean the, the, or at least vacuum the, the sides of the, of the, uh, uh, pool. Um, but, and it has like a base station that goes with it. And you would think, Oh, the base station probably is like communicating with it and telling it what to do. No, it just sends it 24 volts DC. That's all it does. It's like two pins. (laughs) (laughs) And so inside the unit, it's got a, a controller unit, uh, a PCB, and it just has a timer pretty much. It's just like, it does this thing. And then this thing, and basically it's kind of like a random, well, not random, but, um, because it just changes what it's doing. So like it'll move, use the blower, reverse, all that stuff, kind of like a Roomba when it's in like discovery mode. It's just like kind of just bumping into things. Hmm. Except that it does that all the time. It doesn't figure out what your pool's like. Um, there's no learning for it. <laughs> it's but, not gonna map your pool. Yeah, it doesn't map your pool like a Roomba <laughs> does, and sell your data to like you know furniture companies. The highest bidder. Yeah. 
Um, so anyways, one of the motor, the motor that moves the treads on this thing stopped working. Right. Okay. And so I'm, um, the cool thing with the Hayward, at least they seem to provide a lot of documentation on like fixing these things, which is good. Um, some other companies, like the one they had previously, basically it was like a unit, and if it broke, you just had to throw it away and eat like an eight hundred dollar unit. Mm-hmm. But this this company at least has like PDFs you can download and like take stuff apart, and you can actually buy parts. Oh my gosh! I think I, I just googled it, and there's like exploded drawings. It looks like um, you could get what are those? Um, oh, what what were those? Uh, uh, the 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 manuals you could get for motorcycles and uh, and ATVs and stuff. Oh, like a cl- climbers. Cl- uh, wasn't it climbers? Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, Clinton ma- manuals. Okay, maybe that's it. Oh no. Okay, yeah. No, I had climbers. C L Y M E R is uh, yeah. what I had for the. Yeah, but it looks like one of those manuals. So that's cool. So I started taking it apart and like. Like my first thing was like, oh, it was probably just like the linkage that hooks up to the drive belt, right? That because mm-hmm. it's made out of nylon. That part's made out of nylon, um, and no, that was fine. So I'm like, well, crap, you know, what's actually wrong with this thing? And so I, I gave the whole unit twelve, uh, twenty four volts, and of course the impeller spins up, but not the motor. It's like one big brick of plastic. Mm-hmm. I post mm-hmm. the picture, and so I'm like, oh, okay, so something's probably not working instead so i'm like okay it's the motor seized and i just like grabbed the output shaft and spun it and that worked and so i'm like okay how do you get this thing open well hayward says this is a sealed non-serviceable unit and so you just buy a whole new motor block and i'm like okay how much are those 300 bucks still cheaper than a whole new unit mm-hmm. but it's one of those like and 300 bucks is on the cusp of like for me at least like let's just try to fix it yeah because you know i know how you know electronics how hard can it be it's just electrons flowing around um (laughs) and so i unscrewed it and popped it apart and when i when they said it was sealed i was thinking like it was gonna be like 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 uh welded yeah laser um, laser weld or something like that laser welded or uh ultrasonically welded plastic Mm -hmm. box no it actually has a gasket in there Hmm. um and so I was able to pop the top off and it looked like what happened basically is the seal failed and because there was some moisture inside. And at the bottom, there's actually a big bag of desiccant as well. And it was like soaking wet. <laughs> so it had done its job for quite a while. Okay. <laughs> and so I cleaned up all the corrosion and all the water in there. And, and I started looking at the circuit board and what I think happened is it's got a, it's got two different motor controllers on it, one for the impeller and one for the motor. Um, so I bypassed the circuit board and just put 24 volts right on the motor. The motor spun up. So I'm like, okay, the motor's good. So something's wrong with the PCB. And so I started going over it, looked at the motor control. The motor control looked fine, um, but the capacitor looked a little funky. And it basically looked like the top of it was crushed. Mm. I don't know why or how that happened. Maybe it was in manufacturing or something. Um, and so I'm like, okay, you know, it's part of the capacitor. So I actually powered up the board, but no, the cap was still doing its thing and it still was holding 24 volts across its poles. Um, so I'm like, okay, so the capacitor looks a little funky, but it's still working, but the motor controller was not functioning. And so I scraped some of the, um, 
it, had, it was conformal coded. So I scraped out the conformal code and read the part. And when I was scraping it off, um, it actually revealed there's a crack. It was a crack on the IC. Mm. So um, I don't know if the like, like the capacitor being crushed is related to that or not. Um, but I was able to pull the part number off the, the IC and it's a uh, NXP motor controller part that you can just buy at Mauser for like $7. Mm. So I bought two to replace. And it's a, for those who has a Hayward Tiger Shark that needs this part, it's an MC33887PEK. Um, and it's like a 48 pin TSOP part. So it's a pretty beefy part. Yeah. Um, and then the capacitor that I'm replacing actually got the same part. It's a uh, Nikki Con. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fine gold. It's a fine brown cap. <laughs> fine brown. <laughs> um, UHE1H222MHD6 is the one I picked. It matches the same size, all the values. And that's like their higher bend part as well. It's like costs an extra 50 cents, basically. Is it, is it like a long life thing? Yeah, it's got like an extra... <clears throat> 2k hours or something on it it like when we had uh what was it james lewis on to talk about um uh ceramic caps it would be really fun to find somebody who is an expert in electrolytics to come on that'd be cool that would be really great because like man you look at uh you look at electrolytic data sheets and um there is gazillions of options out there and like what do you pick how do you find the best one and like what makes a good electrolytic what makes a bad one? Yeah, well, that's yeah, right. So, so I'll 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 take a picture of this, but like, see how it's like. Oh, geez. Okay, yeah. It looks like the um, yeah. Parker's show, uh, showing me on the video right now. It it almost looks like it took a hit or it's melted. <laughs> yeah, Whoa. it could be either. That's weird. Yeah, because it's not it didn't perforate. I wonder if it's melted. Like that's the casing, or that might be the casing that that got really hot for some reason. Yeah. No, uh, they, it looks like in manufacturing they put a stripe of um, permanent marker across the top of the cap. Yeah. I don't know why they would do that. Maybe that was one of their like QC checks. Ah, uh, yeah, that that yeah, that that's not a bad idea. Like if if it's there, then you know that that board's been inspected or something like that. Something like that. Also, the one um, that you purchased is a ten thousand hour electrolytic cap, which those are the uh, <laughs> those are like the 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 primo ones. Yes, and it's like. This unit will never last that long ever again. Um, but it was like only 50 cents more. So I'm like, eh, let's give my dad a good capacitor, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 for um, sure. Also, the so ripple was, current's ridiculous on that 30, uh, 3,600 milliamps. Yeah, uh, it's it's a beefy cap, man. Yeah, well, it's got a beefy motor to power too. Right. Um, so the I haven't got the parts in yet. The parts show up tomorrow. Um, so we'll have an update if everything still works after I get done with it. Um. The interesting thing was I was like test fitting the seals to put it all back together. And I was talking to my dad about it. And this is his theory because he's a chemical engineer. So he knows more about like this stuff than me is because the seal that I that pulled out, it's like a big O-ring, but it's like a rectangular O-ring. It is ginormous for the gap now. And so my dad said that the chlorine probably made it swell and make it larger. And so, cause I can't actually like, I am tried fitting. It will not 
go back. Is together. it like a Buna N or a rubber kind of thing? No, it's it's a it's a rubber. Okay. Um, it's a solid rubber uh, gasket, and so I can't actually use it because like you just can't. It's it looks like it's an inch longer than it should be. Oh wow! Are, are you gonna make your own or something? I'm just gonna silicone the crap out of it. <laughs> Just fill the whole gap. I'm going to fill that whole gap. I'm going to, on one side. I'm going to fill like the the uh, has like a ledge it sits in. Yeah. I'm going to fill that up with silicone, and then the gap that the um, O-ring goes in, I'm going to silicone the crap out of that, and then just squeeze it all together and screw it together, and be like, well, now it's definitely a sealed unit. <laughs> <laughs> Use the really really thick stuff. Uh, I'm using silicon type two. Mm. Um, because it doesn't use acid and it's like curing agent. So it will be kinder to the electronics inside that sealed box. Well, and it's going in water that humans will go in, right? Well, silicon type one would be fine after it cured. But the thing is, if you use type one, um, it releases the curing agents it uses are, is, is an acid base. And so it would probably be kind of a corrosive environment inside there and not be the motors and, Electronics probably won't be happy. I love how you're ditching a gasket. I really love that. It won't fit. It will not <laughs> fit at all. I tried like an entire afternoon trying to like put it in and then like use an ice pick to kind of like poke it in on all the sides. It just won't. It won't fit. Well, and and this is inside the uh, I'm using air quotes sealed unit, right? So yeah. they're not going to sell you one of those. No, I already looked. You're, you're I actually not, tried looking for the to be circuit in board. It. Uh, yeah, I tried looking for the circuit board. And no one sells a circuit board either. Mm. So it's just repairing at this point. Um, so I'm just going to glue the whole thing back together. Basically, put it. I, I'm basically going to put it into a state where I expected it to be. Like, I didn't expect it to be a gasket in a, quote, sealed, unquote, unit. Um, so hopefully next week um, I have an update on that if it's working or not. It should work. I mean, there's no reason why it won't. Um and then it does make you wonder why that IC cracked in the first place. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do with the heat. Because that capacitor looks a little heat damaged, and maybe it something with the capacitor and that IC didn't like something. And yeah. Do you have an ESR meter? I do not. Because that would be fun to to check if uh, if that thing had like through the roof ESR. Hmm. Well, can I just check that with the normal? Well, no, you have to pass current through it. I have to see if we have. I think we have one at work, so I have to check it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget that. Check. They have ESR. those. Uh, they're they're probably not like ridiculously accurate, but they they'll tell you, you know, a general good bad kind of thing. But I'm I'm holding one of these units up I bought off of Amazon, where you just press a button and it automatically tests and it'll show you esr well that's a different one than you had at the fab it's got uh, a case yeah it came with a little uh, acrylic case they're nice nice um and then so this is a project that's going to be going it's going to be happening down the road like this winter but um this in the same vein of like doing projects down in galveston for my parents um they have a golf cart down there and it's a uh, easy go TFT model. I can't remember the year. I think it's like a 2002 or 2006, something like that. Um, but it, first of all, it needs to like be taken all apart. Cause it's all rusted to crap now. Um, like everything down there, if it's not galvanized, it's like rusted immediately. Um, 
but we're going to upgrade it to 48 volts from 36 volts. So basically it's going to be getting a little pep in its step because it's a little <laughs> slow right now because the batteries are old and um, it's got a lot of miles on it. So we're going to be upgrading that and I'll document like the process of upgrading it. Like how do you um, like what you have to replace to do this? Cause there's a lot of like online forums for like golf carts and upgrading them and stuff. But I don't know. It's so weird. Uh, I always have this problem of like when I start going to other like um, communities, I guess, and trying to learn how to do stuff myself, like upgrading a golf cart to 48 volts, right? There's there's a lot of tribal knowledge that people won't just write down for you. Mm. Like they're like, oh, you need to call or, you know, send an email to this guy and he'll tell you. It's like, what? just have it on the website then at that point, right? <laughs> it's not like... Uh, you sure he's not uh, just trying to sell you something? No, they all are. That's the thing. They all are trying to sell you something. Um, and almost all the communities are like that. And the, the only one that comes to mind, that's there's two that are not like that. The like, electronics community is not like that. And the Jeep community is not like that. Like both of those are so willing to help you out and like, like, give you part numbers and stuff where like everyone else is just like, no, we're, I'm not going to tell you what part number you need to switch to disc brakes. <laughs> no, there's a third one. Uh, stack exchange. Stack exchange. Yes. Those people are unbelievably helpful. Yes. Yeah. Um, but stack exchange is kind of like a, it's like a, a community of communities, I guess. It's still people taking time out of their day to read my crappy code and be like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how to fix it. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are the unsung heroes of the internet. You know, I think I think people do it because um, at one point in time, or they were that person. Well, but I shouldn't even say that. Like, I've still I've I've met like professional programmers or developers that that still frequent there when they have a question about like how something needs to be accomplished. You know, it's mm -hmm. just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I've been kind of doing with the, um, with the, uh, the Wagoneer is all the stuff I've been doing. I've been posting everything in one spot. Um, and I think that's kind of where we kind of want to do this, like, um, that, uh, you want to buy a blank yeah. component. That's actually a subject we didn't write down here and I want to talk about. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, before we get to your stuff is what do we want to name it oh geez you put me on the spot here <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> well okay so let, let's let's back up real quick uh so we'll we'll, we'll recap uh, if people didn't hear that episode so we came up with an idea that was called um so you want to pick up blah 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 whatever xyz and uh it's basically a uh, it's basically a, a website or a database or a knowledge base that engineers and designers and hobbyists can access and get good information about things that they're looking to implement in their projects or designs. And um, it's not going to tell you how to design something. It may not even tell you like design practices, but it will tell you if you want to pick a resistor, here's the different types of resistors and here's what makes them special. And here's the things you need to pay attention to. And here's the, when you see this weird symbol 
on a data sheet that's a Greek letter and the data sheet just assumes you know what that means, this thing tells you what that means, like yes. in clearly written English or whatever language. But um, so, so like we came up with this idea and, and actually it got, it got a little bit of traction. Uh, some people really kind of got into it. So um, one of the gentlemen at the, uh, at, at Macrofab decided to take on um, kind of being a moderator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Mullins at Macrofab is going to be taking over kind of like the implementation of it. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to use a, a program called Discourse, which is kind of like a Wikipedia slash community thing. So like you can have like um, chat, you can have um, almost kind of like a form set up, all kind of rolled into this one kind of program. And so we're at the point now where we're like, okay, we need to pick a name so we can have a, a dot com or whatever. And how about how about wikielectronics.com? Wiki elect or electronics.wiki. Either or that's probably expensive. Yeah, that probably is. Yeah. I mean, I I think I think it would be great to um extend it beyond electronics, but then we're just talking about like having Wikipedia at that point. Uh, but the, but uh, for instance, the other day I was um, purchasing some aluminum and I saw that I could purchase 6061 in a temper that was T6511. And I, I generally know T6 temper on aluminum, but I was like, what's T6511? So I had to start Googling like what makes T6511 different than T6. Uh, and you can get a lot of that information in things like the machinist handbook but I don't have that. Uh, so, you know, it would be really cool to just be like, go to the aluminum page and then uh, have a description of tempers that aluminum has. And, and this is coming purely out of electrical engineering ignorance on me- metallurgy. I, it's probably <laughs> not as simple as being able to just say, pick your aluminum and here's your temper, sort of the way that McMaster presents it to you if you go to their website. But, but that's, in general, what I'm describing is sort of the idea of that what we have is like, oh, I want, xyz and it has some characteristic that i don't know about is there a place a a database i can go to and learn about what is that thing i don't know about learn to electron <laughs> actually uh so electronics.wiki anything electronics dot is not available yeah that makes <laughs> sense yeah but is um, wiki electronics.com wiki electronics wait wait <laughs> I like it's taken. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. They're all dot net's not. Yeah, I don't know if we want a dot net. What about dot io? Because <laughs> then you can do you oh, no, that you dot, dot io is too hipster for us, I think. I don't think we're hipster enough to have a dot io. Because you can do electronics, but drop all the vowels. <laughs> no, no, no. So we what yeah um, that is not that is available we can get that dot com we actually get that dot io well okay so let's let's give it a little bit of time and give some people uh the ability to uh post in our slack channel some better examples of what we're saying (laughs) yeah jump in our slack channel and if you have an idea for this because um, that's where we're stuck at now because we need to build start building out the the platform at this point mm-hmm. yep and so we're kind of stuck at like 
we need a name. So wait, do we, um, we really haven't gone over. Uh, I mean, what what Parker and I are talking about now is pretty much you're hearing what we're talking about. Uh, what I mean by that is like we haven't spoken a lot about this in the last few weeks since we came up with the idea. So we're yeah. we're jiving ideas right now. So uh, do you want to do it sort of like a wiki where somebody can get on and write about resistors and then post it or something? Yeah, or like that's that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at to be as community driven as possible. And especially I was looking into discourse feels like the right platform too. Cause if someone's like, Hey, what about this thing? And then people, it can be kind of like actually how stack exchange works. Cause you can actually post questions and stuff and people can answer them as well. Okay. So I like the idea of having like a, well, I'll keep on the resistor thing, like have a resistor page or a resistor mm -hmm. repository. And like there can be subcategories uh, in that but like there's if you want to know about resistors you go there and it tells you everything and then maybe there can be chat about that or or comments and things like that but it would be nice to have it broken down into categories and you just click where you want to go and you're there uh, and to reiterate this isn't supposed to be like a wikipedia.com replacement right either because like that would be like if you type in resistor you'll know the history of resistors you'll know what they are on a, on a theoretical level and that's it's like no this is more of a if you need to pick a resistor what do you need to look for exactly and the specifications actually oh so so here's a, here's another um example uh let's say you go to mauser or digikey and you click on resistors you just click there and then it and then pops up that huge list of all the little things that you can filter down Let's say you're new to the game and you don't know what barely any of those categories are or those pull-down lists or whatever. You could go to this page and it would say, like, basically, this pull-down list means this. You know, this is a metal film resistor. Metal film resistors are made... Maybe they don't even talk about how they're made, but, like, metal film resistors are good for X and carbon film are good for Y. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, but, like... Thick I don't, film want, it, I don't want it to be like books worth of information. It's just like really straightforward stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or here's another good one. Like when you, uh, when you go to um, an op amp data sheet and it gives you a noise figure in mm -hmm. nanovolts per uh, square root of frequency, you know, when the first time you see that you're like, what the hell does that mean? You know? So a quick definition of like, here is what that what that figure will tell you and why it might matter to you or might not or input bias current offset like what does that mean to a person who just knows oh i want an inverting op amp configuration and i want to pick an op amp uh and and on top of that maybe uh like here's a couple examples of jelly bean joe schmo part numbers for an op amp like if you're looking for just an all-around okay op amp for most op for most situations here's five example part numbers mm -hmm. and you know you can't go wrong with these but if you're trying to do something special then you need to dig deeper than these five i like it can I, also same thing with like bjt's like i need to like use a BJ like okay two n three uh three nine oh four or like have a the SMT equivalent to that same thing with like diodes and stuff yeah yeah like a one n four n four eight or a one n four zero zero seven or something yeah. like that what is that for an SMT 
WS one and four zero zero seven. You know, like yeah, that. But that, I'm that, saying is that's right. like examples like that would be really useful as well for beginners. Exactly, but 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 above and beyond that, it's not even just about beginners. This is like I need a uh, here. How about the what, what do they call them? Thyristors or no 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 a a, a, a MOV MOV metal oxide thyristor. Okay, yep. I've dealt with them a few times in the past, but mainly I've just dealt with them as in like I've soldered them because a customer required them or something like that. I haven't built them into a lot of designs. If I want a metal oxide varistor in a design, what do I need to care about in that? Mm-hmm. Right. If you asked me right now, I would, I'd say, give me a moment. I have to go research them. Where do I go research? Basically, all the research I would do about MOVs, I wish it could be in one spot. And we're talking about taking a three hours of Google searching and putting it into one spot. One spot. Yep. Yeah. So we've talked about this a lot. I think people get the point. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So we need a name. Yeah, yeah. Come up, Yeah, help us come up with a name for this entire thing. Because hopefully this could become something pretty big and pretty... Uh, you know, well-known. So uh, I would like it to have like a name that uh, is something that's easy to remember, something that's easy to like, um, someone says like, oh, I need to know about XYZ. And someone's like, well, just go to blah, blah, blah website and it'll tell you right there. So it'll be a resource for senior engineers and beginners. Cool. Okay. Sorry for that diversion. Um, So Stephen, (laughs) what have you been up to? Uh, I've been uh, cranking Besides more not on thinking about names. Well, yeah, no, I have not been doing that. Not at all. Uh, so <laughs> I've been moving on more with the fermentation controller project. Uh, so I got the enclosure in for that. And mainly I purchased the enclosure just to kind of get the ball rolling. I don't need it at this moment, but I wanted to build it, make sure it's good. Um, because I am going to be building two of these. So I, w- so I only purchased one of the enclosures. I wanted to make sure everything was kosher with it. I like it, so I am going to purchase a second one here uh, for Parker's version um, just so I can get ahead of the game on that. Um, I also picked up a DLA, a digital logic analyzer. I didn't have one because I don't do see intensive we, DLA stuff. Yeah, we disagree on on this. Is like For me, a DLA is like the most important tool for an electronics engineer, and you think it's an oscilloscope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you so, need a scope before a, a DLA. See, I'm the opposite. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a DLA is just like a, I don't know. It's a scope that only does two things, you know, zero and one. Yeah. I mean, it's a digital scope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've lasted this long without a DLA. So, yeah. Uh, but but in this situation, I'm, I'm learning effectively how to um, work with uh, 8080 parallel code and writing to a graphics display. And I've generally got things sort of working. I say sort of because like I tell the screen to do something and it kind of does that. Um, I'm telling it, basically I'm telling it to write a single pixel on the screen and it's writing various patterns of eight pixels. And anytime <laughs> you see the number eight, it like, <laughs> That's a that's a key indicator, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Of, of that that something's up. Uh, so I, I I ended up purchasing a DLA and I built a. In fact, I'm going to hold it up so Parker can see it because I love I love this craftsmanship. Ah, give me a second. 
uh, yeah. So I built a, oh, yeah. I built a header board with a boatload of jumpers on the back of it. So yeah. I, I can plug in my dev board into this header board. I can plug my screen into it and the DLA so I can basically communicate with the screen and still sniff, sniff all the signals with the DLA. And um, so the DLA I picked up is a, a Kingst Logic Analyzer, the LA2016. I got it off of Amazon. Um, Do they make an LA2019 an upgrade, uh, newer model? <laughs> <laughs> they actually make like eight different models. Um, so I ended up going with this one because it's 16 channel. And since I was doing 8080 parallel, I need 13 channels at once. And this is a 200 megahertz for the full 16 channels. And that's way faster than I need. Uh, but that will, I, I, bu- I purchased towards the future in case I ever mm-hmm. need something like that. Um, and it'll, it'll do up to like a giga sample or something like that. Uh, if you're running over USB three, so it it has its own onboard memory, but as soon as it gets past that, it'll start stealing your computer memory, which which I think that is pretty cute. You know, it works. It's fine. Uh, but for what I'm doing, I mean, I'm looking at like I don't know, not very much code. Yeah, a little tiny once. snippet, a little snippet, so I can use the onboard memory on this thing. Uh, but so far, it's man, I I I. Uh, opened the box i plugged it in and i was sniffing signals in like five minutes uh this thing was pretty awesome and 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 back at macrofab we had a uh saley um we had mm-hmm. one of the one of the mid-range ones and those things are really awesome uh those are man they're they're, they're pretty awesome but i uh i didn't want to put 500 bucks into a dla uh, so especially with what I'm doing, because I mean, I'm, we're talking about parallel code and some like chip selects and, and stuff. I'm not looking at USB signals at high speed and stuff. So um, this is more than plenty for what I'm doing. So did you figure out the issues yet? Yes and no. Uh, so what's interesting is uh, I I set up this this analyzer such that it's actually reading and decoding so everything that i'm sending the screen is actually being sent uh properly there is some timing issues so i need to uh, incorporate some delays into the code in order to make sure that everything is clean but that really isn't the issue here so i've got i've got some code that basically initialize the screen and then it tells the very top left pixel to turn on and off um, once a second and that is totally functioning but there are other pixels that are also turning on <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know why like i still have not figured out why there are other pixels like okay i, I shouldn't even say that the other pixels are not turning on and off once a second they just turn on and that's it but the all basically the code i want it to do is doing it but there's extra artifacts in there and i have not figured out yet why those are also being incorporated so like i tell it to draw a sine wave it draws a sine wave with other pixels surrounding the sine wave and i don't like i still haven't decoded it yet and it's not noise or anything it might be uh i'm getting to the point where i'm really starting to scratch my head here where i'm like man this code is like like I, i tell it to draw a circle it draws a circle with a bunch of crap around it uh it's it's weird um, and so, like, even if I even if I tell it to write a singular pixel, and then just go into an infinite loop, it will write that pixel, but it also write three or four more. 
and um, and then sometimes, occasionally, it'll screw up and it'll write like a pound sign somewhere in the screen, uh, or it'll write the you know the at symbol or so some somewhere on the screen. So it's like picking up extra information somewhere. And I think it's a timing thing, but I just I still haven't figured that out. And one of the reasons why I mean I haven't dumped a ton of time into it, but the uh, the data sheet for this LCD screen is. Well, okay. There's two data, data sheets. There's a data sheet for the screen itself, which is pretty minimal, and then there's a data sheet for the screen controller, and that's pretty intense. And it's not really well done, in my opinion. It's confusing. There's not not a lot of information on like the actual write or read sequence on mm-hmm. things, and um, there yeah, it could are, be initial, the initializations not correct. It could be. It yeah. It it could be. Uh, the the data sheet's really confusing because it has like a whole bunch of it assumes that you know a lot of things about LCD screens and I know virtually nothing about LCD screens man I wish there was a Wikipedia where I could learn things about LCD screens <laughs> <laughs> no no but there's a lot of things where it's like uh, set this bit if you want this thing to happen and I don't know what that thing is so I'm still in that discovery phase where I'm like oh well I'll set that bit and see if something changes you know <laughs> so um i'm i'm struggling through it right now and that one of the biggest problems i don't know if it's a problem but i'm using example code that someone else wrote and the problem is like i got lured in because i i basically ported the code over to stm fired it up and it functioned uh you know i write a circle and it draws a circle but it doesn't really it's screwed up. There's some more crap in there. So it's like, do I start from scratch and write my own code and learn the data sheet top to bottom? Or do I keep trying to chug through and figure out what's wrong with someone else's code? That's a dilemma that I've, I'm sure a lot of other people have been in. Right. We're like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like I've already put a bunch of hours into it, so I don't want to start over. Um, yeah. yeah. Regardless, just, like, a lot of the other project is, is going well. So I'm figuring like, you know what, I'll spend most of my time just trying to get the damn screen to work. You, I mean, with your DLA, you should be able to pick up if it's picking up any noise as well. But I oh, would fix yeah. the timing issue first. Yeah. The timing issue is, is the big thing. Um, it's I can, well, so I can tell you it's not, I don't see noise on the, on the DLA. Uh, the one thing is like, with 8080 parallel, you there's like command bits and there's address bits effectively mm-hmm. that you can say like, uh, I'm commanding you that I'm going to write to this location and then you can then the next word is basically I'm this is the data I'm writing to that and so there's there's read and write pins that that you, you know, that you strobe in order to actually like push data and I can see on my DLA that when my STM says write XYZ hex code, it's actually doing that. And the timing is within general ranges. Uh, that that is that is okay. I don't know if I'm writing consecutively too quickly. I'd have to dig through the data sheet deeper on that. Um, I think some of the the bigger issues is some of the times you have to read back from the screen, and I don't know what I should be reading. I, like hmm. I, I get things back and they're different than what I'm reading, but the data sheet is so cryptic that I'm like, I got OX03. Okay, great. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Should I have gotten that? I don't. I, I haven't decoded the data sheet enough yet. So, uh, basically, what the 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 
the uh, example code that I have is has a couple layers of abstractions. There's functions that are like right pixel. Well, right pixel has like four or five functions inside of right pixel. And then each one of those has command and uh, memory writes within those. So like I started off with like, oh, are my top level functions working properly and i've gotten through that and those are so i'm in the second layer where it's like uh those are also working properly so now i'm having to go down to like the very low level stuff when it's writing commands and writing definitions and things is all of that right so i'm at that level so hopefully hopefully this weekend i will have a good solid saturday that i can just drop hours into it because <laughs> <laughs> i know it's just going to eat a ton of hours oh yeah that stuff always does. Especially it's the first time you've ever done something like that. Yeah. And and the thing is, the, the PCB, I mean, it's going to be so easy on this one because there's not a lot going on in this uh, design. So I'm fine with pushing that off because I can probably knock the PCB out in like a day and a half or two or something like that. So I... And and all the rest of the stuff, like the, the part sourcing and the part uh, selection... I, I knocked that out in like a day. It would it actually I thought it was gonna take way longer, but I, I just crushed it. So I'm I'm fine with spending a lot of time on this because like you said, I this is sort of my first time learning all of this uh into this level of depth. Uh so I wanna do it right and try to like actually make something reasonable out of it. And then the uh one other thing I mentioned uh, previously that there was issues with the power cycling where it would just like basically be a dead short. If I turn my power supply on, it's still doing that. And I don't know why, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I have a very repeatable system of turning the screen on, uh, which involves turning my power supply on unplugging uh, the screen power and then plugging it back in and it fires up. So effectively, if, the the power supply is is you know ramps up and then i apply power to the screen it works out fine so i'm just going to do a time circuit in uh in in the box that basically the the micro will fire up it'll run through its initialization wait a, a few seconds and then apply power to the screen so i'm just going to use the micro as like a screen controller so how many of these have you bought screens one one yeah i would buy a second one and see if it has all these issues. <laughs> you know, I, I I need to buy a second one anyway because there's going to be one going in yours. So I'll I'll do yeah. that. I, I, yeah. I need to just buy two of everything now because I I've made decisions on everything that is going to go in it. So that's a good idea. I'll do that. And uh, yeah, maybe I got a bum unit. You never know. Couldn't never know. Yeah. And uh, that would be funny because then I'd be like, wow, I wish I had those twenty hours back. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of I think I've told this story before, but um, in in labs in college, where you'll be scratching your head of why stuff's not working, it's because your breadboard is bad. Oh god! Or like or like the cable that you're using to connect to your oscilloscope has a short in it or a break in it. Um, I think that's the my sophomore year. Um, my parents asked me if there was anything I needed. Uh, for school and like you need a new computer or whatever. I'm like breadboard, <laughs> <laughs> breadboard and cables, please. <laughs> hey, that's great. They're like 20 bucks. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Went over to Fry's Electronics and bought a bunch of cables and, and uh, a, a fancy breadboard. 
I remember struggling in a lab once um, with with my lab partner, and we're just like, God, why can't we get anything to look like what the professor says it should look like? And uh, and one of the TAs came over and was like, Yeah, it's probably the parasitics in the in the breadboard. And and I'm like, Would you like to explain that to us, or would you like to explain like we should maybe account for that or think about it? You know, it's just like, oh God, what the hell? Like they just want you to struggle. They want it to be hard on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I've been there before. I let them struggle. <laughs> I actually had multiple TAs. I'm talking more than one. Start off a lab with being like, please don't go to grad school. And that's <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> All right. Uh mm. you want to head on off to the RFO, the rapid, rapid fire, fire opinions. Yeah. We'll probably have to change the name eventually we've done this 190 times man ain't not gonna change it now (laughs) Uh, okay i found a cool one um actually it's a hack day article on uh, discrete pong which is an entire pong game made with discrete components and we had actually talked about this project back in episode brown box uh no no this one is like a manhattan style uh full-on pong game made transistor level Pong game, which is freaking cool. Uh, so we talked yes, about it. Is, you are right. It is Manhattan style. Yep. So it's just a copper ground plane, and everything soldered on top of it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the person who made it, um, you know, they're criminally insane for doing this. There is a lot of parts on it. But what was cool was the last time we visited this project, it was sort of a EEV blog forum post kind of thing where there was a little bit of information. Well, it has significantly grown since then and there's a full um write-up uh in a pdf form on uh, the website we'll post the link to this it's a uh, glenstuff.com uh, if you want to I like his website it. name <laughs> it's great yeah i know he gets right to the point uh but the, what's super cool about it is like all of the schematics they're no longer hand-drawn which they were originally just like hand-drawn pictures they're they're really fantastically done and they're um they're well drawn let's just put it that way like they're very easy to read he's even got timing diagram for the video display oh yeah yeah no it's all there it's really good stuff and it's fully two player it does it does the the scorekeeping um there's the acceleration stuff there's the sound stuff there's the video generation so if you want to learn about all the really low level stuff um go check that out also what's really cool is i was totally looking at it today at lunch um there's a handful of discrete level op amps that are in there. They didn't even make op amps, like didn't even put op amp ICs in there, just decided to go transistor level op amps, which is freaking cool. I love it. There's there's one that's just if you if you look at it, it looks confusing at first, and then you realize there's a 20k resistor that goes into it, and there's a 20k from the output that goes back into it. It's a negative one um, gain op amp. Basically, it's an yeah. inverter. He just made an inverter uh, op amp. It was pretty freaking cool. Um, also, freaking awesome for doing Manhattan style, like across the entire thing. It's gorgeous. And it's got like, uh, not wire wrap, but uh, wire lacing for like the wiring harness. Looms. Yeah, it yeah. looks nice. Yeah, it's really nice. I'd love to see that one day. I'd love to actually play on it and see. I think it'd be really cool if he made it into like a table and like epoxy filled the whole thing. Oh, make a coffee table out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Also, uh, if, um, go check out the last page. I know it's like the least 
sexy out of all of them. Not that really any of this is sexy on the PDF. To most people. But yeah, on the, on the schematic PDF, there's some really good, uh, some really cool um, power supply schematics on there. So um, they're all discrete level regulation in the power supplies, but um, there's multiple power supply rails and they all control each other. So they all, you know, come up together and things like that. And um, there's like activation signals. It's all transistor based. So if if that's your thing, um, and you you ever wanted to make regulated power supplies using just transistors, like these are good references and resources for it. And actually, um, speaking about transistors, I got an. Um, I don't think it was an email. I think it was on Facebook today. But um, SparkFun just released what they called the Field Guide to Transistors. I saw that today, and um, it's really cool. It's a um, wall poster um, for BJT transistors. It's basically like, you know those infographics that uh, mm -hmm. became popular? It's something similar to that where it's just like kind of cute drawings of BJT transistors that are sort of, you know those old, I think they were called marble works where you could like connect together plastic tubes and put, send marbles down like mazes and things like that. Uh, basically spark fun released a wall poster that generally shows the operation of BGT transistors with like falling metal balls, which is actually kind of cool, like balls and gears and stuff. Um, they also have like a little bit of the history of transistors and um, some pinouts and stuff. And uh, I just thought that was something cool to um, check out. If you go uh, to spark fun you can actually um give your uh, your email to them and they'll send you a pdf copy of it it's really well done uh, and on top of that they have a tutorial for transistors where it's like a whole web page that shows the operation of transistors so if you are confused by them and want to be more confused by them then you can go and <laughs> read the tutorial <laughs> i remember i remember that like i went uh, i our my professor gave it like a brief like you know one lecture over like transistors yeah and i'm like I'm, that's a little confusing so i went to his office hours and left more confused <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you you know you really wish transistors were ideal and they're just not <laughs> no they're not <laughs> they're not and I, and basically what it took me to actually figure that out is i went into the lab grabbed a whole bunch of components and just made a simple circuit and just like looked at i basically just had the oscilloscope up with like my input signal and my output Wait, you, signal. You didn't overlaid. have your DLA up. You had an oscilloscope. No, up? this is analog. Cause I was trying to figure out the analog crap. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, you can just slam the base and then it operates off and on. Right. But I wanted uh, digital to guys, know everything in between. <laughs> yeah. Just slam it. <laughs> yeah. But all the electrons like, in there or none of the electrons depends. So the, the <laughs> you know, the four quadrants of like saturation and cutoff and all that jazz and stuff like yeah. being able to remember and um, pull that stuff from memory is kind of hard, you know, with transistors. But but really like being able to tell someone how a transistor works, you can't just be like, oh, this is how it works. You have to be like, well, sit down, you know, get a meal, get a drink. We're going to be talking for a while. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, check out the uh, Field Guide to Transistors by SparkFun. It's actually really nice. I kind of want to print it out and get it up, put it on my wall. NPN means the arrow on the schematic is not pointing in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, on there, um, I thought it was cute. They 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 did some electrical engineering um, uh, jokes on the... Uh, I'm going to kill this now. Uh, on their Facebook post, they had... Um, some uh, quotes from uh, 
Mr. Ohm himself and uh, somebody else. Whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering this. Never mind. Don't forget I'm saying this. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> okay. The next one is manu- manufacturingreports.com. And this is a website done by Dan Heisenschus? Heinzich. Heinzich. <laughs> well, close. Close enough. Um, and the cool thing is actually we're going to have Dan on the podcast next week, I think. Yeah. So he can actually tell us how to pronounce his last name. That's actually the only reason he's coming on the podcast. Yeah, that, no, actually yeah. He's going to be talking he's about that. And we'll say thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the tagline for this is unbiased reviews of PCB manufacturers. So basically he has gone through and on his own dime, I think, uh, put together reports from a bunch of popular PCB, like we can get PCBs made for hobbyists slash like low volume stuff. So they got like PCB way, Osh Park, JLC, Shenzhen for to you. Yeah. And so I would go check that out and see if that's uh, a useful resource for people. Um, the reviews seem to be pretty in depth. Like he has like a PCB he sends out and he actually like, analyzes how well it was made and that kind of stuff yeah and then gives a score on um on each one of these manufacturers and some of the things uh, the things that are scored are like ordering fulfillment customer support copper quality things of that sort so he sends the same files to them and then sees what he gets back Mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah so um yeah we'll get him on the podcast because i want to know more about like how he came up with these metrics yeah and how he scores them yes like there there is a number attached to them like yeah what does ordering 7.2 like how do you derive 7.2 right right yeah also some of them do have perfect tens so uh how do you get a perfect 10 yes so yeah tune in next week for that and then um our next uh topic is this we were talking about these in our slack channel it they're wago wire level nuts and so a wire nut is like those little hat things that you put on the end of wires and twist them together and then it falls apart and electrocutes you <laughs> um so i discovered these about a couple years ago and i've been using them in interior automotive applications so like um like you need 12 volts for some gauges and, and aftermarket stuff. It's a really easy way to splice stuff in. And uh, and they're a lot smaller, more compact than like a bus bar. And you don't have to like on a bus bar, like, you know, because it's all screwed in. You have to put like a wire end on it. Like you have to put like a ring terminal on your wire. This you just stick the wire in and it's fine. So it's think about like a wire nut where you twist everything together. But instead of that, each wire has its own hole and it's a lever that you flip up, stick the wire in and you slam it shut. Um, so, so the, uh, the, the lever is actually like a cam inside that like squishes into the wire, right? Well, it actually the lever op- when it opens up, it pushes a piece of metal down. That's a spring. Oh, okay. And so it's like a, a spring. It's basically springs to and opens up a, uh, basically like a clamp, like a jaw. Yeah. Like it opens up a jaw. Um, so so it's kind of like the uh, the terminal blocks that have that little orange uh, plunger at the front that you push down with the screwdriver and then you can shove a um, 
your wire in, but instead of the the plunger, it's a lever. Lever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. And um, what I'm getting at with this is the there, there's a video that we found of basically them dumping like 120 amps into one of these wire connectors, and it just doesn't fail. The the wire jacket melts before the. Oh yeah. Fails. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that was a interesting video. I I always enjoy watching stuff like critically fail and that 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 was was a good one. <laughs> where's, where's a good place to get these things? The Wago. Uh, I I usually get them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're legit or not, but like you can get like forty of them for like seventeen bucks on Amazon. Um, the the five wire because like like they come in different widths of how many wires they can hook up. But apparently they're like rated for like you can use them in your wall, like if you're if you have like a a, a socket box, mm-hmm. um, and you're like teeing off or something like that. Um, but I've never used them for that. I use them for like low voltage automotive stuff. Well, yeah, if they can handle 120 amps, I think they yeah they can probably handle mains, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah. Well, that's that. Yeah, I, I recommend for people who are doing automotive stuff because they're nice. I w- only thing I wish is they were like they had mounting tabs. Because mm, yeah. right now they do sell stuff like some mounting tab stuff for like dead rail applications. Um, but I mean, you don't have dead rail in your car. Um, <laughs> Wait, come on! But, you don't have dead rail in your car yet? You sound like the kind car. of guy that will have dead rail in your car. <laughs> Open up the glove box and it's a full on PLC in there. Yeah. Um, no, um, so what I do is I 3D print. I like can go to the Thingiverse and you can look up like Wago 222 or whatever it is, and you can like download a bunch of like mount mounting options. So I I I print 3D print them and then glue, you know, with super glue, glue the uh, Wago connectors to it, and then that way you can have it mounted somewhere with screws. Mm-hmm. Do, so. do they co- so they come in different um uh configurations of like two three four five um you know, connections basically poles yeah but do they come in different wire gauge sizes or is there like one size fits all or it's kind of one size fits all got it so so what like 22 to, to 12 gauge or something like that maybe not 12 but i think it goes up to 12 yeah does it oh, okay cool yeah some of them do yeah so it's perfect for but, automotive yep um and they also have a uh, PCB mount versions of these too that like you solder on your PCB. Oh, no lie, that's um, cool. Yeah, we were looking at those in the Slack channel. Do they uh, are are those available on Mauser or any of the big guys? I think so. I'm I haven't have looked, to though. check that out because that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, you can use it in your uh, fermentation box. Oh, geez, more stuff to design. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Does does Mauser carry it? Uh, I just looked up Wago on Mauser, and I don't think so. I don't see anything. If Mauser doesn't carry it, I don't buy it. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I think that uh, that'll wrap this podcast up. So mm-hmm. uh, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your host. Charming Amplifier. And Parker Dillman. Take it easy. Later, everyone.
Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or charming amplifier, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG. I wonder if Steven's going to get that um, new uh, Twitter candle. I even forgot what it was called. Oh, yeah, at Charming Amplifier. <laughs> um, email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel where we talk about Wago wire level nuts all the time. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen. I think you can only review us on iTunes, though. Um, it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us. And then I'm going to do the world's longest ad read. Josh, 